The following is an Auburn Network production. You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on yet another sunny day on the plains here in Auburn and Opelika. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you for the next two hours right here on ESPN 106.7. And I have a good feeling that most of you out there are having a good day today after what happened inside of Neville Arena last night. Goodness, Auburn basketball turned it on at home once again against a good team and they stay undefeated inside of that building 101 to 61 the final score over the number 11th ranked South Carolina Gamecocks we're going to talk all about that on the show today so much to get to so many storylines and and stats and narratives and all that good stuff we're going to have all of that for you on the show today and It's a good show because Thursdays are a lot of fun. Uh, Not only are we going to talk about that, we also get to talk with Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. We'll talk about that game last night. We'll talk about the game coming up on Saturday against Kentucky. We'll also talk about Tiger Talk tonight and opening day for Auburn baseball tomorrow. Yes, there is so much to get to when we have Brad Law on in just about 30 minutes or so. That'll be at 2.30. And Chris Gordy will be with us in the second hour, host of the daily SEC podcast called Locked On SEC. So that's what's on tap for you today. Around those guests, phone lines are open. I know you've got thoughts. I know you've got comments. If you've got concerns, all right, that's fine. Let's hear those too on the phone lines. 334 321 1390. That number again to get you through to me and on the air. 334 321 1390. Auburn takes down South Carolina last night 101 to 61. Yes, a 40 point win for the Tigers at home. And Uncle T-Bone and I talked about yesterday, Auburn was an 11.5 point favorite, and it just smelled a little weird, right? They were begging you to take South Carolina plus 11.5. Vegas was begging you to take the Gamecocks at plus 350 on the money line. And we had talked about, you know, if you're into that sort of thing, why not sprinkle a little bit on, on the Gamecocks and see if they could pull off the upset inside of Neville Arena? Well, Vegas knew a little something that we didn't, but nobody saw a 40-point win coming for Bruce Pearl and the Tigers. And man, so many, so many things to get to when it comes to this because nobody predicted Auburn to win by 40 points. I mean, that it's just it doesn't happen in college basketball. It doesn't happen in conference play, and it doesn't happen against a team in the SEC who was the best defensive team in the conference and one of the best defensive teams in the country. You've already seen the stat, I'm sure. 
But South Carolina going into the game last night, defensively was giving up an average of 64 points a game. Yes, giving up, averaging 64 points a game. And Auburn was threatening that in the first half. Auburn had ellipsed that well into the second half. And they dropped 101 points in 40 minutes of basketball. I don't care who you're playing, that's impressive. And there are not very many teams that have dropped 100 points in college basketball this year. And Auburn did it against the best SEC team defensively that there is. And not only did Auburn drop 101 points on the offensive side of the floor, Auburn's defense came to play last night too. And you held a South Carolina team to 61 points. Now, I'm not going to say that that is a overly impressive feat because that's a South Carolina team that had not been scoring a whole lot of points. They don't really score more than 74, 75 points on average. And they are just fine playing games in the 60s. And uh, hearing their head coach talk in the press conference, post-game press conference last night at Neville Arena, he said, look, we still were almost at one point per possession on average. And he said, all season long, that's been good enough for us to be winning games or at least competing in games and have a chance to win, scoring one point per possession. He said, that's been a fine for us. That's been a perfect formula. But he also said that Auburn played one of their best games. And they were on. And when Auburn's on, they do this. They do what you just saw. They drop 101 on somebody's head. They run away with it out of the opening gate. And they never look back. And it's a group effort. Jalen Williams, Janai Broom, Chad Baker, Chaney Johnson, Dylan Cardwell. All those guys feed into this. Trey Donaldson, Denver Jones. It's a group effort. And nobody is, I don't think anybody's surprised that Auburn did this. Nobody's surprised that Auburn was able to hit triple digits. Nobody is shocked that Auburn won another big game inside of Neville Arena. There is a little bit of, a little bit of, uh, I guess, a surprising factor that it came after the game that it did. But didn't I tell you yesterday that their potential for this was pretty high? That Auburn was going to come back home and blow out a team at home? Because that's just what they do. That's what Auburn does. They step inside the walls at Neville Arena and they become the Harlem Globetrotters. They're lobbing it off each other, throwing it from half court. Heck, they close their eyes and shoot it and it goes in. But the issues have been when they step outside of those four walls. When they step outside, I don't know know if it's four walls, I think it's more of a, a, a circle, but you get what I'm saying. When they step outside of the building with a Final Four banner on top of it, on the side. That's where the problems have been all season. But it's good to see a game like this because it reminds people like you and me that the potential of that is in there. That team that you saw last night could happen at any moment and at any time. And imagine, imagine if that team last night that scored 101 points that shot unbelievably well 
61% from the floor, 60% from three, and 90% from the free throw line. Imagine if that team shows up in March. They will win a national championship. But it's utterly ridiculous for us to think that that's going to happen day in and day out because we already know that it doesn't. And that's not possible. That's not feasible. But that potential is in there. And I asked Bruce Pearl the question last night. I said, Bruce, you've done it again. You've come back home, a big game on your home floor, sold out crowd, students were lined up to get in, and here we are again talking about another double-digit win where you guys played one of your best games of the season. I said, how do you continue that into Saturday against Kentucky, and how do you try to find a formula to do that on the road? And moving into postseason play. And it was a tough question. I didn't expect to have a great answer. And he said you can't guarantee that. You can't can't prepare for that. But I think it is a legitimate question. Because it's one that we've been asking for a long time. How do you get something similar to this away from Neville? Whether it be on the road in Knoxville. Whether it be in Nashville for the SEC tournament whether it be in who knows where for the NCAA tournament. Because games like this are great. Wins like this are awesome. Auburn just beat the number one team in the SEC by 40. Nobody else can say that. Nobody else has done that. Nobody else has gotten close to that. And it's something that should be celebrated. Because I was worried about this game. You know that. I talked about it yesterday. I've talked about it all week. I was nervous about that South Carolina team because of how good they are defensively and how good they are fundamentally and how really stinking good that head coach is. And lots of credit to him, man. He walked in that post-game press conference and he, he didn't really have a whole lot to say because basically his response was, what do you want me to say? What am I supposed to say? We just got beat by 40. They won every category. They were on it. They played one of their best games of the year. What do you want me to say? What do you want me to tell you? He said, we just got to move on. We didn't lose a heartbreaker. We didn't lose in just a couple of areas. He said, so for our team in South Carolina, it may be easier for us to just kind of move on and, and forget about it. But Auburn's not going to, and they shouldn't. Auburn should not forget about it. I think Auburn fans should celebrate it because that's a big-time win. Now, when you start looking at the at the rankings and you start looking at the numbers and the net and all that, no, it's not going to go down as, as big of a win as it feels like, but it should. And whether South Carolina crashes and burns from here, I don't know. We're going to find out. But it's still a big win. Number 11 team in the country came to your house and you didn't just win – You didn't just dominate. You flat out put them in the ground. And now what you have to do is you have to turn and you have to look to this weekend. What happens this weekend? What happens with Kentucky? Is Auburn able to continue playing this way? Because I think South Carolina's a good team. They've beaten some good teams. They've done it on the road. Their coach mentioned it last night, going on the road to Tennessee. And other fan bases 
and other fans and other teams and other programs, they want to discount this win for Auburn. They want to say, well, that's not even that good of a South Carolina team. They're really, are they really that good? Do they really deserve to be a top 11 team that's not even a quad one team win technically for Auburn last night? They're really not even that good. That's bogus. That's a good team. That's a good team that's going to get some wins down the stretch, that was on a seven-game winning streak, that will get some wins in Nashville, and will get some wins in the NCAA tournament. And that's a team that I promise you 90% of this conference does not want to play right now. But guess what? Auburn's in that category too. Nobody wants to play Auburn. If Kentucky is if Kentucky is any sort of smart and has any IQ, which I know they do, they are scared to come play in Neville Arena Saturday, as they should be. But how would you feel right now, Auburn fan? How would you feel if this Saturday's game, Auburn had to get on the plane and fly to Lexington and play this at Rupp Arena? How would you feel? Coming off the win last night, we're playing our favorite game, the what-if game. What if Auburn had to go to Lexington this weekend? And I think there's a few storylines that you could dive in on that. Right? Kentucky got back on track finally at home after losing three straight. And Auburn coming off an impressive home win like they do every time they step on the floor in there, but haven't been able to play or win very much on the road. Now, I know what a lot of people have said is Auburn's 3-3 and on the road. There's only two teams in the conference that have more road wins than they do. And you're right. That is a factual statement. But I'm not going to count a win at Vanderbilt. I'll count it, but I'm not going to give it a whole lot of whole lot of credit. I'm not going to give it a whole lot of weight, if you will. It counts, sure. And it's a road win in the SEC in conference play, something that's hard to do. And you've got one of those games coming up in a couple of weeks on the road to Missouri. Those are games you're supposed to win. But what if this coming Saturday was in Lexington? I'd be worried. Even coming off a 40-point drumming of South Carolina, I would be worried about this Auburn team because they have not proven it yet. But the good news is it's not in Lexington. Good news is it is in Auburn. And I think Auburn has a good chance to win on Saturday. And Kentucky's a really good team. But so was South Carolina last night. And Auburn took care of business. Auburn flexed its muscles last night and dropped 101 points on the top team in the SEC. 334-321-1390. What are your thoughts? I know you got things to say about this game last night. I want to hear from you. We'll dive into some stats, other storylines. When we come back, take a look around the SEC. And then coming up at 2.30, Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network will be with us. All that coming up here on ESPN 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Let's get to the phone lines here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, 334-321-1390. John and Auburn, what's up, man? You're on the line. Hey, thanks. I tell you what, Uncle T-Bone, I think that was the first game he went to all year. And I tell you what, <laughs> I'm, hoping, I'm hoping he can figure out a way to get into that arena more often. I'm telling you, he must be the uh, he must be the good luck charm or something. Don't tell him that, though. That'll go to his head. 
Exactly. Hey, that was the first game all year I hadn't watched live, so I don't know. I'm hoping I'm hoping he's the reason and it's not me. Well, hey, um, it could be you, John. I don't know. You know, I thought I thought I had to have a conversation with Katie Johnson for my television the entire season, but who knows? <laughs> Maybe I guess I don't. Hey, I had, had a uh, had a couple comments I wanted to make. Yeah, I did think last night. I thought Auburn was able through slip screens and and other ways to get guys open down low. I thought that was the most easy, the 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 highest number of easy buckets that Auburn's had in a game in quite some time. Because really, Auburn hasn't had a lot of easy looks at the rim mm-hmm. like they were having the first several games of conference play. Yeah, Auburn ran some some different sets last night, and it was really interesting. And and credit to Bruce Pearl and the staff because I there are times where I I didn't think it was possible for them, and because they fall in love with so many things and stick with it, and rightfully so. But they ran a lot of interesting things, and one of the things that I saw last night was them running a lot of baseline. And what I mean by that is they would work it into the corner, bring it up inside to the high post, and run somebody on a backdoor cut on the baseline, and it would be wide open for. I'm cutting through the lane or down on that baseline and and it seemed like South Carolina wasn't fighting as hard through those screens and to make the rotations defensively as they have earlier in the year and I think right. that's why you saw so much success and you get worn down on that uh also Denver Jones running the point just a little bit yeah I think is going to pay dividends down the road hey had one random thought I, I, I came up with okay I, I don't know if there would be mutual interest, but let me just throw this in the fire here. I think Jerry Stackhouse is doing a very good job at Vandy. However, even with the A&M win, I don't know how much time he, he'll have left there. What about Stephen Pearl and Vanderbilt after this year? I wonder if there would be mutual interest. Hmm. I don't know. That's a That's an interesting proposal i mean there there's a there's a large group of people that think jerry stackhouse has a lifetime contract in vanderbilt and i don't i don't buy into that but there's a lot of people that do um i also think there's a lot of people that are in the belief that Stephen pearl is is sort of the the coach in waiting behind bruce and whenever he decides to hang it up and i think that's a very high possibility um Agreed. but in my opinion I think Steven would benefit the most, and not just him, but anybody in a position like him would benefit to take a, a smaller job before walking into their first head coaching job at a place like Auburn that has become one of the premier places in college basketball. And Vanderbilt may not be a bad idea. Agreed. Just, just you know, and, and Tennessee ties and all that just yeah. kind of stuck out to me. And I feel like they're putting Stephen Pearl on a pedestal this year to really market himself for a head coaching opportunity. Yeah, very much so. And so, and, and there's no doubt that he's interested somewhere, I'm sure. I'm sure. Thank you, Jacob. Yeah, appreciate the call, John. 334-321-1390. Look, there's, there's no doubt about it that, I mean, unless something drastic changes, I would think Stephen Pearl would like to be a head coach somewhere someday. Um, he's still young. He is still... Uh, a very young mind. Uh, he's a great recruiter. He does a lot of the transfer portal stuff. And I'm pretty sure he does most of it for Auburn, uh, for Auburn basketball, that is. 
when guys enter the portal, he's the guy that jumps on top of it. He's the guy that researches and reaches out and has those meetings and and does a lot of the – because I've actually – fun fact, when I was in college, I actually had a chance to uh, do a report when I was going through journalism school about the transfer portal when it was so new and, and got a chance to talk with Stephen Pearl about his role in the transfer portal. And he said that, you know, a lot of the things he did was look at how guys played and their play styles and their statistics and their roles and how they play and how they act and make sure that they fit the Auburn system and the narrative before they even reach out and make the phone call. Just because it's the highest rated guy in the portal doesn't always mean a program reaches out to him. So Stephen Pearl does a lot of that for Auburn, which is really, really cool. But he's wanting to be a head coach. Everything I've ever heard is that he wants to be that guy somewhere, someday. And and like I told John, I firmly believe that not just him, but anybody that's an assistant coach that wants to be a head coach, look at it from a football perspective. Like It's hard to walk in and become, from a quarterback's coach or a, you know, a strength and conditioning coach and jump up and be the head coach immediately, right? There's a, there's a path that you take and those steps that you take, just like any other business, to get to, to the top. And so for Steven, I feel like a head coach somewhere else, whether it be the uh, a smaller SEC school program like Vanderbilt, or whether it be a UAB, or whether it be an I—I I don't know. I mean, there's tons of different options. But interesting to to bring that up, John. I appreciate you you calling in. Other things about that game last night that that he was bringing up that I wanted to get to. Auburn was very dominant offensively, and not just scoring 101 points, but doing what they wanted to do on offense. And he talked about South Carolina getting worn down. And in the coach's press conference last night for South Carolina, he said, look, we were playing with good effort, he felt like. He said, we were playing well, but when you defend hard and then all of a sudden they just pull up and basically knock down anything they throw up, that's extremely demoralizing. And he's absolutely right. I mean, you work and you work and you work, and then what you're trying to stop happens anyway. That wears down on you physically, mentally, and emotionally, and that's what happened to South Carolina last night. We can all look at this objectively and without the orange and blue glasses for a second and say, Auburn played extremely well last night, and there were a lot of plays and shots and situations that all went Auburn's way. And... When you're an opposing team on the road and a home team's getting every bounce, they're making every shot, it seems like. They're getting every 50-50 ball. They're getting a lot of the calls. Like That is extremely tough to overcome, especially on the road. And so, yeah, I think there was a, a point where South Carolina just kind of folded like a lawn chair and just kind of moved on. And you understand why. But that was because Auburn did play so well and Auburn was going after loose balls and they were taking advantage of those lucky bounces and and made shots that not all of them were just pure skill. And that's what good teams do. Good teams take advantage of those and build upon those. You don't run back down the floor and say, wow, I can't believe we got that. That probably shouldn't have happened. Oh, well, no. You take that. It's like, wow, that ball came right to me. I grabbed it and I knocked down the shot. Let's do it again. Let's get on a roll. Let's get a stop and let's try to do it again. And that's what Auburn did last night. Do they do that every game? No. But that's what made Auburn so successful last night. And that's everything that added up together. And that's what made 
Auburn win by 40 points over the top team in the SEC. You look at some of the stats quickly from last night. I know a lot of you have looked at these, but just some really interesting numbers here. Janai Broom, 21 points, your second leading scorer. Jalen Williams with 23 points. Here we go again. It's crazy, right? It's crazy what happens when Jalen Williams decides he wants to be the guy, when he decides he wants to be the dude, have a little alpha dog in him. He goes 8 for 11 from the floor, 5 of 7 from downtown, and had 23 total points. Auburn goes as Jalen Williams goes. If you have not figured that out, sorry, I'm telling you right now. When Jalen plays well, Auburn plays well. When Jalen plays poor, Auburn typically plays poor. And that's just how it goes. And for whatever reason, that seems to be at home versus anywhere else. And Auburn's got to find a way to overcome that. But Jalen had 23. Janai had 21. They both knocked down nine total threes last night, which is ridiculous. Bruce Pearl joked that he's never going to get Janai Broom to roll off a screen again because he just stepped out and knocked down three-pointers. You had Trey Donaldson with 11. And you had Chad Baker-Mazar with 10. Dylan Cardwell with eight, Chaney with six. I mean, it was a very balanced offense last night. KD with nine. Auburn did everything right. They did everything right. And when they do that, man, they're a hard team to beat. Coming up, we'll talk to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network about this. He'll have some thoughts on the game last night. The game coming up on Saturday versus Kentucky. Tiger talk tonight and Auburn baseball opening day tomorrow. All that coming up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Jacob Goins on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. 30 minutes into hour number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. And as we are every single Thursday in hour number one, we're joined by Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network on the phone lines. Brad, me, appreciate you, man. Great to hear from you. And uh, I know you're taking some time out of that busy, busy schedule with crossover season. I am looking forward, Jacob, to to this visit and holding nothing back, as is the uh, the usual here. Yeah, well, you, show. you normally do a like good job, is, and we're gonna hold nothing back. That's, That's right, exactly right. <laughs> well, um, I know you've got some thoughts from last night, where there's been a lot said about the Auburn basketball win over South Carolina, one hundred one to sixty one, a forty point victory on your home floor over the top team in the SEC. Brad, not a bad Wednesday night at Neville Arena. Uh, literally, we have never seen anything like it, um, and that's that's not hyperbole. That's not uh, marketing. That's not spin. It was the largest win over a ranked opponent in the history of Auburn basketball. Nobody had ever seen what we saw last night, and I mean, you know, try to minimize it. Try. This isn't game one of the season. This isn't game one of the conference season. This is the middle of February. Um, you are who you are, and South Carolina came in ranked number 11, the number one scoring defense in the SEC, and it's more impressive to me, Jacob, not that Auburn scored 37 more points than South Carolina averages allowing, 37 more. So, it, it, like, 50, 
3% more points than they average allowing. But it's the fact that they scored 24 more than the most they'd allowed mm-hmm. in a game. Like, when you talk about averages, right, you your, or your mean number, usually you're going to take out your top and your bottom, and you know, there's some extremes on either side. So take the extreme. They'd given up 77 points to Virginia Tech in the second game of the season. And only four of the teams had hit 70. And Auburn scored 101. Um, I just would defy anybody to try to minimize what happened last night. It was spectacular. It was awesome. It was uh, this, this team is an elite team. And if you believe that a 16-point loss at Florida does not make them elite, if you put weight behind that so much that it affects your thought on this team, then it's only natural to put weight behind what you saw last night, which wasn't just another double-digit win. This was different. This was extreme. I think a lot of people right now, Brad, are trying to to balance those two results that you just talked about, right? The 15-point loss at Florida and then a 40-point win at home over the number one team in the SEC, and they're trying to weigh it out and really just figure out, okay, is Auburn somewhere in the middle of that, or are they closer to one than the other? And at times, it is kind of hard to tell. Well, and which is interesting to me, right, because – Name a team that's just elite on the road. Right. Like Purdue. Purdue's 22-2. and two. All right, fine. They're undefeated at home in conference play, but they've lost two games on the road in Big Ten. But, like, I'm just looking at the Big Ten standings right now. Mm-hmm. Purdue is the only team in that league with a record of better than 500 away from home. Um, everybody struggles. And Auburn has, what, three road wins? Yes. In conference play? Yep, three and three. So it's it's not like they're going out and getting dominated. And the game at Florida is the, the singular, the outlier, in that these other road games are single-digit, like two-possession type games. Um, I look at, at another conference. I look at the Big 12, for example. And, you know, Iowa State and Houston are at the top of the Big 12. They're both undefeated at home. They're three and three in road games in their conference. Is anybody going to say that Houston is not an elite team? Iowa State's cracked the top ten for the first time in like 20 years. Kansas, who we all sort of universally agree, is one of the powerhouses this year, not just because of their name, but this year they're a powerhouse, right? They're one and five in their conference away from home. So I don't have a problem with saying Team A, Team B, Team C, struggles away from home as long as we also are willing to admit that that's just kind of a part of college basketball team a may do it but teams b through z also do it it doesn't it doesn't mean that the house is on fire when you lose games away from your home arena mm-hmm. yeah and and i think that you have to bring up the conversation too about how the parody in college basketball, the drop-off from the top and everybody else is not as big as it used to be because of all the reasons we talk about with you know NIL, Transfer Portal, all that stuff. I mean, college basketball has become a more even sport, and it's just harder to win in this sport, Brad. Well, yeah, and, and you know the metric is different. Like you don't you don't expect to win ninety five percent of your games in college basketball, right? You know the way that a, a championship football team may lose one game or may go undefeated, 
you know, but if you lose two games, you lose two out of 15 games, what's, what's that percentage? You know, you've lost like 10% or 12% of your games. Well, if you lose 12% of your games in college basketball, a similar metric, you lose 12% of, of 30 games, well, now you're looking at like five losses, four to five losses, and typically your national champion is going to have around that number. So, you know, anywhere from three to four to seven to eight sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's the metric in the sport. And uh, when you look at Auburn specifically, and the same is true with a team like Kansas or North Carolina or Duke or Houston in the Big 12 or, um, you know, Purdue certainly is that way you know, as long as Zach Eady is there. But these teams, when they go on the road, um they're 18 to 21 year old guy. Not a lot of 22 year olds on these teams anymore, by the way. Auburn's got a couple, but that you know, not everybody has that. Mostly, it's it's 18, 19, 20, 21 year old guys, and you're going to go face a team that um, will benefit far more from winning the game than you will from winning the game. It's a much bigger deal to that fan base when you come to town. We, we've seen it. We've seen it at Florida. We've seen it at Arkansas. We've seen it at. You know, Mississippi State, certainly in Tuscaloosa. These these places are drawing far bigger crowds for the Auburn games than they are for other games. And it's just really tough for 18, 19, 20, 21 to match that and overcome that consistently every single time out. And it's not just the crowds. I mean, it's the focus that the other team puts on the game as well. It means something. There's a price sure. on Auburn's head when they go into an opposing gym. And... uh you know, again, all that said, Auburn's got three conference road wins and um, and is going to look for more before the season is finished, and I think they'll get some more before the season is finished. But, yeah, it's just the state of the game. There is there is parity. It is very hard to win on the road for everybody. Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network with us here on ESPN 106.7. Before we get to the game coming up this weekend with college game day, kids already camping out. I mean, it's ridiculous what's going to happen this weekend for for the Kentucky game. But in the game last night, Brad, the what was the most outstanding thing that you saw? It could be a stat, it could be a player, a trend, anything that you saw. What was just the most outstanding thing you saw in Auburn's 40-point win over South Carolina last night? Jalen Williams got a shot and made a shot within the first couple of minutes of the ball game. Um, you know, I, I think that if you try to, uh, you know, it's really hard to reduce um, Auburn's success to one thing because it is so multifaceted. But I think in key games down the stretch of the season, Jalen seeing the ball go in early and becoming a confident and aggressive player early in a game just sets the tone. It sets a tone. It it, has, it gets Auburn playing downhill. It opens up the inside-out game. And he took a shot early and missed it, but like a couple of other trips down the floor, he uh, got another opportunity and made it. Janai Broom missed his first three shots, but they kept feeding it, and he made his next three. When Janai and Jalen both, maybe a little more so Jalen, but when both of those guys get shots and they see the ball go down early, I, yeah, I, I think that's a, you know, I, I think you're off to the races at that point. It allows Auburn to play downhill. I'm with you. I'm absolutely with you. And it's something that Auburn is going to have to try and do come this Saturday when Kentucky comes to town. You've got game day in town once again. I mean, Brad, you got to be there early if you want to get on TV, man. I know you're going to. 
no, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be at baseball Saturday morning. I've got there you uh, go. You know, baseball's got Eastern Kentucky at uh, one o'clock, so I'll have to be over there a little earlier. But forgot right, forgot well, they're making baseball. you work on Saturday. I, hey, don't you yeah. hate that, Brad? <laughs> well, uh, that's all right. We'll uh, hey, we're gonna get ready to see Joseph Gonzalez start on Saturday, and and that'll follow game day, and then we'll have Auburn Kentucky. It's gonna be a wild day. Um, yeah, this this game is uh, what is it now? Three years in a row, or three out of the last four years that that game day has been at Auburn, and why not? You now have your national pundits calling the the home court advantage, similar to Cameron Indoor Stadium in the '90s for Duke. And it's not just one guy. It's not just Jay Billis who's saying that, but multiple folks are saying it. It's real. It's real. And uh, we'll see it on display again Saturday against a Kentucky team that, regardless of how disappointed those fans have to be in what they've done so far in conference play, you still got a month to go before Selection Sunday. And they still have three separate players who are top five in several key categories in the league. Antonio Reeves is fourth in the league in scoring. Trey Mitchell is fifth in the league in rebounding. Reed Shepard is fourth in the league in assists. Uh, Reed Shepard leads the league in steals per game. So you got plenty of pieces and a, and a brand in Kentucky that would love to come in and, uh, and wreck Auburn's undefeated home streak. Well, you mentioned also this weekend, starting tomorrow, opening day for Auburn baseball. We've got softball already underway down in Mexico right now. And then, yeah, opening day for baseball tomorrow. A special group of guys with Butch Thompson, and you mentioned Eastern Kentucky coming in, and and the starters were announced for the weekend. And it's wild the baseball season's already here, and and, uh, I think the anticipation is extremely high for that program. You know, I remember it was eight months ago, and we all left Plainsman Park, and I was stunned. I don't mind telling you, I was stunned. I did not expect, you know, a week before, less than a week before, when the regional uh, host sites and pairings and everything, the fields were announced, I just, there was no part of me that expected Auburn's season to be over after two games at the regional. And I remember the feeling. It was like I left in a fog eight months ago, and now you're back. And now a lot of those pieces are back, and, and you've got some key additions both offensively and on the mound. And Joseph Gonzalez, who nobody expected uh, this time a year ago to be on the mound for Auburn to uh, to, to start the op- not start the opening game, but but opening weekend 2024, Chase Alsop another year of uh, of development for him, and um, Ike Irish moves behind the plate, Chris Stanfield moves to center, Cooper McMurray back at first base and at the plate with his power hitting. There's just a ton of things to be excited about, and I can't remember a time since Butch has been here that there have been this many known elements of a team. Um, you know, you, you had some, some areas for hope and optimism, and you think things will be a certain way, but you know what you get in Chris Stanfield and Bobby Pierce. You yeah. know what you have in Cooper McMurray and, and Ike Irish and, uh, and like a dozen of the pitchers on the staff. So, um, you know, some key holes will have to be plugged by – transfers and that's why you bring them in that's always going to be the case now the way the game is and that's just fine but I think you have more knowns than unknowns with this team and that's a really good place to be 
And what that tells me, Brad, is if this Auburn baseball team plays up to its potential, they're going to be one of the best teams in the SEC, which we all know is is far and above any other conference in this in this sport of college baseball. So Auburn's going to be right there. And, and with that bad taste in their mouth from a year ago, they've got a great chance not just to get back to a regional, but advance past that as well. Opening weekend for Auburn baseball is here. Got college basketball for Auburn this weekend. And you've got Tiger Talk tonight, Brad. Tell people what's going to be coming up on the weekly coaches show tonight this is a pretty power-packed show and it's going to be interesting because you got women's basketball at six tonight at the arena and they're making a push to break the single season attendance record i think they're going to smash it like i don't think this is going to be close i think there's going to be a ton of people at neville arena for this women's basketball game tonight at six the same time as tiger talk so if you're not going to the women's game, you need some dinner plans, I really encourage you. I think we need you out at Baumhauer's tonight to be loud and rowdy because I think some of our regulars may be at the basketball game tonight. Ah. But we're going to have Ryan Walker, yeah, Ryan Walker to talk swimming. Uh, we will have Coach Pearl there to talk about last night's game and preview the Kentucky matchup. And uh, we'll also have Coach Thompson out to preview baseball's opening weekend. So it's a power-packed show. We'll have Outlive shirts for sale. We're also going to give away a couple of Outlive t-shirts. We're going to give away some uh, gift cards. And, uh, of course, there's great food and drinks at Baumhauer's. So it, it'll be a time. It'll be a happening tonight. So if you're not going to basketball, come join us for dinner and a show at Baumhauer's. Yeah, lots going on with Tiger Talk, women's basketball, baseball, men's basketball. I mean, just so much happening in true crossover season, Brad, when it comes to uh, Auburn Athletics here on the Plains. And we appreciate you, as always, joining us on this Thursday afternoon. Tell people where they can find you, find the Auburn Sports Network, and and uh, I'll plug everything when you're gone because there's a lot to plug, man. <laughs> there is, yeah. Just look, just make it simple. Follow AU Sports Network on Boom. all the socials. That's all the pertinent information anyway. And uh, we will try to follow the lead of this show all weekend long. As much as we have going on, we're going to try to hold nothing back. I love it. I love it, Brad. Thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you next week. And good luck this weekend, okay? You got it, Jacob. Thank you. War Eagle. That's Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network. He's with us every Thursday in our number one. And, man, when I tell you there's so much happening this weekend with us being uh, the 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 sister and, and the flagship stations here in Auburn, Opelika, you've got Tiger Talk tonight on Wings 94.3 at 6. You have Auburn women's basketball tonight over on AU100. That's 100.3 FM and AU100FM.com. You have baseball Friday and Sunday on Wings 94.3. You have men's basketball on Wings 94.3 on Saturday. Baseball on AU100 I mean, does it get any better than that? I mean, our stations are killing it right now, and the Auburn Sports Network is the reason why, and so we thank them so much, and we're so happy to be with them, and thankful for Bradlaw, who, uh, look, our show motto is catching on, man. People are picking up on it more and more, and if Bradlaw is starting to use it, then we've got some serious traction. We'll take our first break, or our last break, I should say, in hour number one. We'll come back and wrap up the first hour, get into hour number two here on ESPN 106.7. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
Wrapping up our number one here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Wanted to say Friday, but it's not Friday yet. It's still Thursday. But hey, Friday will be tomorrow, so uh, keep that in mind. But hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing okay on this Thursday as we get through our number one. Got a couple of minutes. We appreciate Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network being with us as he is every Thursday. Phone lines are open once again. I would love to hear from you. If we can't get you this segment, we will definitely get to you. Start of hour number two, three, three, four, three, two, one. 11390 and Brad said some interesting things there we got a lot going on when it comes to Auburn athletics I mean it it is true crossover season right now when it comes to men and women's basketball you've got softball underway you got baseball going on equestrian happening tennis happening I mean I don't even know I mean there's so much going on in in Auburn athletics and it's fun to get to talk to talk about it and talk about it with Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network Tiger Talk tonight as well so um, that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun and Brad said a few things there that um, I think are are interesting. Something that was in line with what I was saying about this Auburn basketball win over South Carolina. There's a lot of people that, not Auburn fans, some of them, but mostly outside fans that'll say, well, that's not that great of a South Carolina team. Not even a quad one win technically. Or, oh, you know, who they who have they even played, right? That's what a lot of people like to say. And they like to discount it because it was at home and whatever. But that's a good South Carolina team. And that's going to be a good win for Auburn come selection Sunday. My concern is the concern that everybody else has. What happens when they go and play a good, above average, possibly great team on the road? And you know, you start looking at the records in Auburn. Yeah, they've got three SEC wins, and there aren't many other SEC teams that can claim that. And it's unfortunate. It is. It's very unfortunate because the win at Arkansas had potential to be really, really good. And we just didn't know that Arkansas wasn't going to be all that great this season. And that's not Auburn's fault. You can, what do we say all the time during football season? You can only play the teams on your schedule. Right? You can only play the teams that are in front of you, and you can't control how good or bad they are or become or end up. And that's a very real take. That's a real thing. But a win at Arkansas should not be discredited because Arkansas is not playing well. They're not a good team. A lot of people think Muss is on his way out. Whatever. It's still a tough place to play. There were still 20,000 people there when Auburn showed up. So you can't hate on that. Vanderbilt, all right, whatever. And then you got the win at Ole Miss, which I think is a good win. But Auburn's got a chance to do that again and get their best road win at Tennessee coming up in just a couple of weeks. That's where it's all going to be proven right there, I think. But there's a lot between now and then. There's two games, including Kentucky this Saturday and Georgia on the road next weekend. We'll talk about all of that and more. Take a look around the SEC and college basketball, plus whatever you want to talk about coming up in hour number two. And Chris Gordy will join us as well from the Lockdown SEC podcast. Give us a call, 334-321-1390, hour number two, coming up.
You are on the line. Live on ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. To be on the line, call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you're doing well on this Thursday, February 15th, 2024. This is On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm your man, Jacob Goins, with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of our number one as we get underway here in our number two, you can go and find the podcast. You know how to find it at this point, don't you? ESPNAU.com. That's our station website. Or you can just search for it on any of your podcasting platforms. You can just search on the line. We talked to Brad Law from the Auburn Sports Network back in hour number one. I had lots to get to with him uh, when it came to Auburn basketball versus South Carolina last night versus Kentucky this Saturday. Plus you have Tiger Talk tonight, Auburn baseball this weekend, um, Auburn women's basketball this weekend, including tonight. Like so much that we were able to cover in a short amount of time with Brad, so we appreciate him. I uh, gave my thoughts a lot about Auburn and South Carolina last night. We will continue doing that here in hour number two. And then Chris Gordy of the Locked on SEC podcast will be with us at 3.30 as he is every Thursday, has been for a long time now. Uh, he'll be with us at 3.30, so looking forward to getting his thoughts about everything SEC basketball basketball and Chris is a big baseball guy too so get to preview opening weekend with him but until that point phone lines are remaining open 334-321-1390 that is 334-321-1390 and we go to the phone lines to start off our number two and we got jumping Jack Hutton with us on the phone lines what's up buddy how are you hey man what's going on the uh another sunny day in Auburn Opelika area so uh Man, I'm living the dream. Yeah, it's a little bit, a uh, little bit sunnier than it usually is after a big win for Auburn basketball last night. Yeah, the rain clouds have gone away over uh, over most of the Fairweather fans' heads. Uh, notice that usually when you get a 40 point win over a a, a top 15 AP team, that, that that tends to happen. Typically, yeah, it, it typically does happen, and and it seems like everybody has uh, moved on from the Florida loss, Jack. Well, you know, I don't think that it's necessarily something that we got to go back and hash out. Uh, but, but I will say, you know, you, you still got to keep in, in mind with this team. I mean, it's still a team that is struggling on the road this year. I mean, this is something that, and I, I even, you know, called to yesterday and, and talked to you and T-Bone a little bit. And, I mean, I was, I was really confident in this team at home last night. I thought Auburn was going to come in and, and pretty much not dominate the game like they did, but, but uh, stiff arm South Carolina and take control for most of it. And what I said happened. I mean, they, they dominated the game, um, and, and I didn't see that happening at all. Now, I did see Auburn covering the spread last night, like I told you, but, I mean, 40 points. I don't, I don't think anybody saw that coming. So I don't necessarily think that this is just, oh, every problem is fixed with this team now. It's great to get a win like that, and, and it's great the atmosphere that it sets up this Saturday, but this team has got to do it away from home. You, you just got to see that, I feel like, once or twice before the tournament starts to have a whole lot of hope for, for a, a deep run in the postseason. 
Well, they have opportunities to do that with road games at Georgia, Tennessee, and Missouri coming up. That's their last three road games. But Auburn can't worry about that, right? I mean, Kentucky coming up on Saturday. How does Auburn kind of build off of that in your mind? And this is kind of an open question for our listeners as well, just about how can Auburn continue the success against a Kentucky team that's a lot better offensively than South Carolina is? Well, I think Kentucky's going to give you a different challenge uh, from a sense of South Carolina. You know, they were, they've were they got some guys who can bang around inside, but they didn't have the length on the inside that Auburn has. I mean, Dylan Cardwell and Jani Broom, six blocks between those two last night, um, and it was just hard to get anything at the rim for Carolina. You know, when they stopped hitting shots there after the first half, it was, I mean, it was kind of done for them. I mean, Auburn went on that big run to close the half. They get the three from Chad Baker Mazzara to put them up by 22 at the half. And then from there, it was just there was there was really nothing South Carolina could do to get good buckets on the other end, to get good looks at buckets even. Right. Uh, so I think that's going to be a different challenge on Saturday because Kentucky likes to run that inside-out offense. They, they like to go a little bit faster than Carolina does. I think it was easier for Auburn to sit back and wait on Carolina because they had that length on the inside. Kentucky's going to try to beat them down the floor. And even when they have that length and they beat them down the floor, that's more difficult to stop. Um, so I do see this being a more challenging team for Auburn to play at home. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm picking, and of course I'll, I may save a pick until uh, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. I'll, I'll give a pick whenever. Um, but I do think that Auburn's going to win this game. I don't think it'll be the beatdown that you saw last night, though. What, you don't have the guts to pick a 40-point win over Kentucky, Jack? What the heck? I do not. I don't have the, the, the <laughs> hoops, uh, if you will, there to, you uh, to pick a 40-point blowout again. No, I don't. Well, here's the thing. is is South Carolina, we talked about it going into the game yesterday, South Carolina has a very, very, very slow pace of play, and it's a very efficient pace of play when they hit shots. But if they don't hit shots and they don't play defense or if their defense is unsuccessful – then they find themselves in trouble. And that's exactly what happened last night, right? I mean, Auburn was hitting everything it seemed like that they threw up, and that's what their coach talked about last night. And and then South Carolina was turning it over, couldn't get back on, on defense, and Auburn just took advantage of some of the things that they were able to do offensively, defensively, transition points and buckets and plays. I mean, Auburn really just outplayed and got South Carolina out of their game, which is what you have to do. Yeah, I agree. I think there's, you know, there's a component of it where Auburn shot the ball incredibly well last night. I mean, yes. he shot 61%, uh, and not every one of those is, is going to go in. Uh, in. In fact, a lot of those aren't going to go in on most nights. I mean, I think, uh, and even Lamont Paris, I think, said this in his post game, but um, he brought up the fact that I think it was Leor Berman at the very end that, you know, he's, he's in transition, he's coming full speed, and crosses over and shoots this 17-footer and he buries it, you know, that's not a shot that you can hope to hit every night. And I think Auburn hit a few of those last night. Uh, so, I mean, it, to be honest with you, look, I think it was a great night for Auburn last night, obviously shooting the ball. Uh, but I, I do see that as a little bit of an anomaly on the offensive end, especially away from Neville. I just I got to see this team do it outside of the home arena for me to have confidence that they can go deep. Now, for garnering a resume, getting quad one wins and things like that, yeah, I think Auburn can beat anybody at Neville Arena. I think Auburn can go toe-to-toe and probably beat by a good bit anybody in Neville Arena in the country right now. 
but I'm not sure about it on the road. And, and I think that's a, a theme in college basketball right now, but it, it's been one for Auburn for a while. And the thing that I continue to say, Jack, is I understand that Auburn has three wins in the SEC and not many teams have more than that. And I understand that most teams are struggling on the road in conference play, but that doesn't impact Auburn, in my opinion. I mean, that what whoever, whatever they do on the road, that's not Auburn's team. That's not this team, this group of guys. So I'm with you on that. And, and I do think that Auburn is a really, really good basketball team when they play up to their potential. But there's just a concern with when do you get that and when do you not get that. And, and that legitimately, I know it sounds stupid, but that could be the difference between a win and a loss in March. Yeah, you know, I think the good thing about it is you know this team has it somewhere in there. Right. Because if you go back to some halves that they've played this year away from home, it's been really good. You look at the second half in Tuscaloosa where Auburn was down 14 at the half, comes back, beats Alabama in the second half by 10, had a chance to tie that game late. And so they really were able to stiff-arm Alabama for most of that second half. It was just, you know, they, they had dug themselves too big of a hole to win the game outright. Um, and then, you know, shortly after that, it was in Oxford where Auburn did the same thing. They got down in the first half, and then they had this great second half where they showed they can beat a team 56-33 to in the second half on the road. Uh, so, I mean, that's the thing is that they've got it in them. They've done it before, and you just want to see it happen more consistently uh, because if it does happen more consistently – this team's a national title contender. If it doesn't, this team is a, is maybe not even a second weekend team. Yeah, 40 minutes of basketball, man. That's what it comes down to. 40 minutes of basketball away from Neville Arena. If Auburn could do that, I mean, I, I'm with you, man. There's, there's just very little teams that could compete with what Auburn did last night. Imagine if they do that in Nashville or if they do that on a neutral site somewhere in Kansas City or whatever they go for for the NCAA tournament so um yeah I'm with you Jack and um I think last night was a big one we got a big one again on Saturday also tomorrow opening day for Auburn baseball I know you're excited for that man I'm super excited um you know this this baseball program has has been building over the last few years of course um been to been to four supers now uh and hosted one or no sorry hosted two regionals um in the last two years and so that's something that is starting to really build this program up um you know it's been kind of a step-by-step roadblock where in butch thompson and his staff's second year they go to a regional and then they they get to the supers the next year and then they go to omaha and i mean it was just it's kind of that step-by-step approach of okay we're ticking off one checkbox at a time here um, you know, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure on like any predictions season-wise, but at some point, I think that the I think the goal starts to have to be: what do you do in the SEC every year? Because okay, you've been to the mountaintop of college baseball to to Omaha. You've gotten there, and I think obviously the goal is is at some point a national title. Um, but I think you got to take care of SEC ball. How do you start competing? within the top four to five teams in the SEC, which is just stupid hard to do. It's insanely uh, hard to Especially in the do. SEC. Yes, yes. And so I, I don't know. I wonder if that's a more difficult goal than winning the whole thing outright, Jacob. I really do. I mean, how do you consistently compete at the top in the SEC of all conferences? Um, you know, that, that I wonder if that's the goal or if it's the goal, you know, let's do – 
the easier goal, if you will, of let's just go win a natty. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, if you're competing in the SEC and you're at the top of the SEC, that means you're one of the best in college baseball because that's just how the conference works, right? I mean, that's just that's just how it works. And so, yeah, excited for that. Um, hopefully, maybe try to get you on here tomorrow to talk a little bit more about it. And, and we'll pick up our baseball talk now as the season begins tomorrow with opening day. Yeah, man, looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing this team offensively. I think uh, you know Auburn last year was so good on offense, um, and I, I want to see how that translates to this year. You know, I think it's going to be Butch Thompson's deepest staff that he's have uh, in terms of pitching, and so I don't think that Auburn is going to be hurting for arms there or uh, for quality innings. I'm interested to see what some of these newcomers do uh, to fill in some spots that that you saw uh, get vacated last year. I mean, a Bryson Ware who has the single season record for home runs in your program. He's gone. You got Cole Foster who gets drafted. Uh, he was a three. He was a three hundred guy that hit a ton of home runs last year for you. Casey Howell, a five year starter, is out. And so, what is some of these transfers that are coming in? How do they fill the roles of those guys? And uh, can they match production that they got last year? And then the guys that were on that team last year that come back, what do they look like? Cooper McMurray, Bobby Pierce, these guys. How do they uh, come back from last season? Can they keep that same production, or uh, do, is, is there a fall-off? I think that's going to be interesting to see from the offensive end. Yeah, I'm excited for it, man, and I think a lot of our listeners are too. And uh, like I said, try to get you maybe on here tomorrow. And, and obviously, you're in and out all the time on this show and on our different stations around here. We'll be talking a lot of baseball and basketball now, man. Don't you worry about that. We appreciate you calling in, man. Yes, sir. Thanks. Appreciate it. That's Jack Cutting with us here on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Appreciate him calling in, of course. A great friend of mine and and, and great great – help to the show when it comes to talking about basketball baseball and everything and yeah man look Auburn baseball is is an exciting team this year they've got so much talent um the offense is there the pitching staff is as deep as it can be I feel like with this team and and with the disappointment of last year I think there's so much at stake in this season and You've seen Auburn begin putting money and resources into baseball with all the, um, with yeah, I mean with, with the additions to to Plainsman Park, and how just they're trying to get that place back to where it needs to be a place that, at one time was the nicest baseball park in college in college baseball. And with everybody else investing, especially in the SEC, I mean, you look around Tennessee and Vanderbilt and Mississippi State, all these places that have just put and poured so much money into college baseball and into their programs and facilities, something that I've mentioned before on this program that uh, John Cohen has done a great job with at Auburn in his early time. And that was something he was great at when he was at Mississippi State, and he has brought that to Auburn this year, or in, in his time here at Auburn. So um, Auburn baseball is going to be exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for it. And speaking of that, as we get to break here on hour number two, we gave away some tickets yesterday. I know the drive gave away some tickets yesterday, and... I've got some more tickets that I need to give away today that I want to give away today for opening weekend. I don't have any more for Friday, but I do have two for Saturday. Two tickets to Saturday Auburn baseball against Eastern Kentucky. Plainsman Park, early afternoon. It's before the basketball game. You can do it all in one fair swoop. I don't have tickets for basketball, but I do for baseball. Give me a call first when you got them. 334-321-1390. We'll take our first break here at hour number one on the Thursday edition of On the Line. You are on the line on ESPN 1067. 
Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app. Back inside the studio here at ESPN 106.7. And, man, we start giving tickets away. People start calling in like crazy. They got people peeling in the parking lot on two wheels, coming in here trying to snag some baseball tickets. And, uh, look, I know the basketball tickets are a hot commodity, but I think baseball's right there with it, too, and we gave some away. So uh, thank you all for calling and uh, and participating in that. And uh, we may or may not have some more later on or in other shows as well. So be sure you stay in tune here on ESPN 106.7. We're glad to be able to do that for you our wonderful listeners but as we continue talking a little college basketball Auburn basketball SEC and everything else want to get your thoughts what do you think about the game last night Auburn taking down South Carolina 101 to 61 uh, still want to get your thoughts and opinions on that 334-321-1390 Auburn now with Kentucky coming in on Saturday but you look around what's been happening in college basketball And for the SEC in particular, it hasn't been the most exciting week. A lot of those teams are in there. It's not a bye week. It's just the the off week for a midweek game because all SEC teams get it. Uh, Auburn's is coming up, and it's extremely late for Auburn compared to everybody else. But they get that week off where you play a game on Saturday, no midweek game, and then the game on Saturday. Florida just went through it. Auburn knows that very well because that was the week they had to prepare for Auburn. So that's exciting. But in the SEC world, um, nothing overly crazy. Um, I mean, you had some some interesting results, right? Back on, on Tuesday, if you remember, in the Southeastern Conference, there were a couple of games. Uh, you had Kentucky who got back on track, got back in the win column at home, taking down Ole Miss. 75-63 Florida continued to stay on the bubble and stay alive in the in the NCAA tournament taking down LSU 82 to 80 and how about Vanderbilt with the buzzer beater over Texas A&M on Tuesday night so that was exciting to get uh, one of their few wins in conference play and then last night outside of the Auburn South Carolina game the game that started a little bit later number eight Tennessee at Arkansas We know that's an Arkansas team that has just crashed and burned. They really never even got out of the starting gate. They kind of tripped on their way out and have been limping ever since. And they hosted a number eight Tennessee team. And reading stuff on social media and talking with my buddies over at Fayetteville and just kind of getting an update on what's happening over there, you just didn't think Arkansas had much of a chance in this game. And... Believe it or not, the Hawks came out and played a pretty good first half. They came out and won, or they were down by six, 46 to 40 at the half. And then Tennessee came out and played that lockdown defense. They continued to shoot the ball well, and they end up winning 92 to 63. They get an almost a 30 point win on the road in Fayetteville, which, if you remember, Auburn did just that when they went to Arkansas to start SEC play. So it's just crazy to me how Arkansas is just. They're bad. They're bad, man. They're just not a good team. And and I don't know if there's any any truth to the whole Eric Musselman wants out of Arkansas and, and he doesn't want to be there and other big-time programs are going to take him away. I don't know. I have no idea. And um, it, it sure seems that way given how his team is playing right now. I'm curious to, to hear what Chris Gordy has to say about all that. We'll get to him on the phone coming up in just a little bit in the next segment. Looking forward to that. 
But speaking of looking forward, this weekend is maybe not the sexiest in, in conference play once again. Auburn and Kentucky highlights it big time. I mean, big time in the SEC. But you kind of look at conference standings again, right? This is the conversation that keeps coming back up with Auburn and the SEC because it's a tight race at the top. And thanks to the Tigers and Bruce Pearl getting it done last night, they now sit in second place with South Carolina at 9-3. and three, But, of course, Auburn has the tiebreaker. And Alabama is at the top at 9-2. and two, And they split with Auburn 1-1. One and one. So Auburn still controls their own destiny in the SEC. And you have Tennessee at 8-3 and three in the conference. They've already had that bye week thing. And um, they're going to play and catch up this weekend. So... All of that being said, Auburn's still in the driver's seat. Auburn is still very much alive to win the SEC outright for the regular season. Now, will they do it? I don't know. We're going to find out. Because I think it is, I think it's realistic to say that given the rest of the schedule for Auburn, with that road game at Tennessee, you have a decent chance of of losing that game. You just do, given what you've seen already from Auburn on the road, given what's already happened. I mean, it's just it's inevitable to say that I think that is realistic. And so Auburn has a chance to still win the SEC, but I think that game at Tennessee comes down to be really, really important. Let's get to the phone lines really quickly here. Got a few minutes before we get to our bottom of the hour break. Jason, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, I've never listened to the whole show. I was just curious, have you guys talked about Denver Jones running points on last night? Yeah, a little bit. Um, not as not a ton, but yes, have mentioned it a couple of times and really interested by that. And uh, Bruce Pearl was asked about it. I believe Justin Ferguson asked him, but I can't remember if it was him or not. But uh, he asked about it, and Bruce was saying how it just gives Auburn a little bit more size on the floor when he's running point, and it was very successful like most things were last night. But But I liked it, Jason. What about you? Well, I did too, and, and I agree. It gives you the opportunity to to have. Uh, well, uh, it looks like when Denver's playing the point, that only leaves KD to play the two. So you're really not picking up. You're just picking up size at your point guard position, and really, he, him and Trey are, are very similar in size. But I, what I think I saw that I liked was uh, the ability to go around a screen and go to the basket and either draw a foul or finish. Mm-hmm. Aiden really Aiden struggles with that, and and I think that. It gives you that pick and roll option, or picking uh, and pop to the basket. Either one uh, it gives you that option with him more so than Aiden. Aiden has a harder time throwing over it. The, the downside is, is for Aiden, it, it's going to cut down on his minute that they keep doing it for sure. Yeah, it is. But I, I mean, I think a lot of people would agree that as much as we like Aiden and the potential that Aiden Holloway has, he's just not playing good right now, and, and he doesn't give Auburn the best chance to win when he's on the floor more times than not, and and you're absolutely right with Denver Jones being in the game and handling the ball more. He has the ability to put it on the floor, get to the rack and finish or get fouled, same way that Trey Donaldson has developed or has evolved into that player this season and I think KD Johnson we know he can do that too so I think that's what gives Auburn the best chance to win yeah and it will give us our two best defensive guards on the floor at the same time if we have um, both of them playing KD and Denver so Mm -hmm. uh, it's certainly possible there I also want to talk about the race I I 
feel like this is going to end up, and I don't, I don't think people are going to like this, but I think Auburn and Alabama and probably Tennessee will all end up 14-4 to when it's all said and done. That's, that's kind of the way I see it okay. uh, heading down the stretch. Okay, interesting. Well, I, I, it's very, very possible, man. There's no doubt about it. Hey, we appreciate the call, man. We're up against our last break. Yep, thanks so much. 334-321-1390 break coming up before we get to the bottom of the hour. And you know what? That very well could happen. It very well could happen with all three of those teams ending at 14-4. and four. Uh, That would have Auburn losing one more game. That would have Tennessee losing one more game. And that would have Alabama losing two more games. And, you know, the only thing that scares me there is – Alabama losing two more games in SEC play because their schedule is tough, but I think it's doable. They have A&M and Florida at home back-to-back. They are at Kentucky, at Ole Miss, hosting Tennessee, at Florida, and home versus Arkansas. So it's definitely tough. And I think it's possible for them to lose two more, absolutely. And I think like I was saying before he came on, I think it's realistic that Auburn loses one more, and Tennessee probably loses one more, too, as I pull their schedule up really quickly down the stretch. They're at Alabama, at South Carolina, home versus Kentucky, all after the Auburn game. So I kind of with Jason. I think 14-4 and four for Bama, Auburn, and Tennessee is very likely at the end of it, and that's going to get ugly. We'll talk to Chris Gordy, host of the Locked.SEC podcast, about that and so much more when we come back here on ESPN 1067. You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. On ESPN 1067, Auburn Opelika's sports leader. We've got 30 more minutes here on the Thursday edition of On the Line here on ESPN 1067. I'm your man Jacob Goins with you on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader as a show that has flown by. We get back to the phone lines, but this time for our weekly guest on Thursdays, Chris Gordy, host of the Locked on SEC podcast with us. Chris, great to hear from you, man, and uh, it's a busy time with crossover season officially upon us. Oh, yeah, it absolutely is. And, uh, you know, then we find out today that, uh, uh, you know, news coming out of Texas that, that they're uh, pushing the nine-game conference schedule, and that might be happening uh, for, for the SEC next year. Football, basketball coming down to the wire here. And somebody asked me today who's the best team in the SEC right now. And uh, I know they laid the egg over Florida, but that was a mighty impressive win from Auburn last night. Well, I mean, let's start right there because that I know it's the big story in this town, but around the SEC, it's one of the biggest stories for sure uh, with Auburn coming off that road loss at Florida, not looking good. I mean, they never led. They were never in it on Saturday in Gainesville, and they come back and they host the number one team in the SEC, and they drop 100 on their head. Chris, what did you see from the Tigers last night? Yeah, I mean, we just saw relentlessness. I mean, just, you know, to shoot 60 60- over 60% from the field, 60% from three. Um, you know, Broom was, was outstanding. Of course, Williams. I mean, it, it, those guys, that, that tandem has been so impressive all year long. And uh, just the offensive explosion that, that this team can have, it's, um, it's relentless, man. And if they could play like this come tournament time, they're going to give a lot of people a lot of problems and they're going to go very, very far. So it, it's been fun to watch. 
Uh, defensive side, I thought they, they did very well. Uh, what did South Carolina shoot? What, 3 of 15, 3 of 16, something like that from three? I mean, it was it was a clinic on both sides of the court. And, um, you know, it, it was – Bruce Pearl said it. He said this is our most important game of the year. And, uh, you know, this was going to decide if we lose this one, we're probably not going to win the SEC or have no chance at it. Uh, winning this one absolutely puts them right there. Um, not necessarily in the driver's seat, but certainly right there with Alabama to uh, you know try to win as many games out as you can and, and win this thing. Well, what's interesting, right before you came on, I had a caller call in and gave his prediction about the SEC race because I was talking about it, and he predicted that Auburn, Alabama, and Tennessee would all end the regular season. He was saying this as of right now. We'll all end the regular season at 14-4 and four, right there at the top, and when you start looking at it, that's a real possibility. Wow. Yeah, that that would be um that that would be interesting from a standpoint of, you know, tiebreakers and everything else, uh, what you know, what comes into play, but you know, I look at the schedule, obviously, you know, it doesn't get easy for for Auburn with Kentucky this week. Now, now they are at home, which is a big advantage. Kentucky's been very inconsistent, but still a very dangerous Kentucky team and then road trip at Georgia is an easy and a road trip at Tennessee will be brutal. So, um, you know, it's it's a tough schedule, but I think on the backstretch, Mississippi State, Missouri, at Missouri and home for Georgia, I think is, is doable there to finish off for Auburn. Uh, whereas Alabama, what do they have? They have home game against Tennessee, road game at Florida, home game against Arkansas. So, I don't know, it's probably probably about equally as tough outside of that, that game against Tennessee for Alabama. So, that's interesting. I'll be curious to see how this thing comes down. I mean, if it's tied going into the last game of the season, um, man, I, you know, Arkansas has just stunk up the joints. So I don't know if they're going to give Alabama much trouble. And I think Auburn should be able to beat Georgia at home. So that, that thing will be really fascinating. Well, here's the problem too, Chris, is as as much as fans want that and as much as coaches and players want that regular season SEC title and you get the number one seed in your conference tournament, it doesn't really mean a whole lot when it comes to the NCAA tournament because it's the conference tournament winner that gets the automatic bid. And and I think we've had this discussion before on how we'd like to see that changed. Yeah, and and also it's you know it's funny we, we talk about winning a regular season SEC title. It's it's an accomplishment, but I mean who who remembers them? You know, I mean like who hangs? I, you know, do, do, I know you know a lot of teams will put the banner up, but like who. Who looks at that as like, oh my God! Remember when we hung the banner when we won the regular season in whatever year? It's just, it's just not something that's really celebrated because the NCAA tournament means so much more. You know, look at Arkansas. I'm sure they, you know, they've had years where, you know, they've made Sweet 16 runs or Elite Eight runs, but didn't win the SEC. You know, who remembers that? You remember the postseason journey. You don't remember the the regular season as much. So. You're right. I mean, it, it, it would be an accomplishment. You should probably be rewarded for that as opposed to getting hot for three or four games in a random tournament at the end of the year. And that's that's just how it is, man, and it is what it is, and that, that race is coming down to it with the last couple of weeks of the SEC regular season in college basketball. As we talk with Chris Gordy, host of the Daily Locked on SEC podcast, you can get that wherever you get your podcast. You look ahead to this weekend, and it's been kind of an off week for the SEC. A lot of teams in that weird off week in the midweek games, but everybody's sort of back in action this weekend, but it's really highlighted by, once again, Auburn and Kentucky with college game day coming to the plains yeah it's it's gonna be fun i i just i don't know what kentucky is i mean they got a much needed home win against Ole miss the other night but you know that that gonzaga game was not you know it was an ugly game to watch for much of that game 
you know, they beat up on Vanderbilt, they beat up on Arkansas, but uh, outside of those, you know, the, a, a nine-point or no, what was an eleven-point loss at Tennessee or against Tennessee? Then you lose to Florida, you had no business losing to at home. Um, you know, it's just it's been a weird, weird run for Kentucky here because we thought that this would be the time of the year that Cal would have them clicking on all cylinders and, and really playing well. And, and, and a lot of the freshmen have played well. I mean, the, the young guys, Antonio Reeves and Reed Shepard have been outstanding this year, but it's just, it's, it's been a weird wild year for, for Calipari. And there's a lot of folks in Kentucky, not happy. And, you know, it's looking like they should make the tournament here still, but man, I, I couldn't imagine if they end up in the NIT, it, it would be, um, the boo birds will be coming out and they will be calling for Cal to be, to be ousted. No doubt which they've been doing on and off, Chris, for four and five years, but they haven't done it yet, A, because they owe him so much money, and B, because, I mean, he has been there so long, and he's become a Kentucky legend, but, I mean, this is an on and off dance we've seen a long time from Kentucky fans, and, I mean, what happens if they eventually do get rid of John Calipari? Man, that's another era that would be over. Well, there is a caveat there. They did give him a lifetime contract uh, that, basically, <laughs> that basically includes like when when they decide to move on that he would transition into a front office role, but he has to agree to it. Yeah, um, you know, and he and he would just be like a figurehead going out and getting them, you know, helping with fundraising and recruiting and all that. But I got you know, if I'm Calipari, I got to look myself in the mirror and say, look, you've had an illustrious career and, and you've won everywhere you've been, but like. Is this is this really what you want to keep doing? Is making the NCAA tournament and and being one and done or, or two and done? And like this is this is a Kentucky um, you know school that that prides themselves on championships, and yet they haven't sniffed one in a really long time. I mean, that last title that they won was with Anthony freaking Davis, uh, who's been in the NBA now you know well over a decade. So it's. You know, it's one of those tough conversations. And Cal Perry's going to have to look himself in the mirror and say, look, I'm 65 years old. I'm not getting any younger. And, um, you know, do I, how much longer do I want to do this? And, and maybe they will come to some kind of mutual agreement with Kentucky that he'll step aside and slide into a, you know, a, um, whatever, an administrative role, and, and then they'll go and hire the next head coach. But I, I just know being married to a Kentucky uh, fan, uh, my wife, has, has not been happy with how this plays out. I mean, they – they went from literally years of celebrating championships at Kentucky to bragging about, oh, yeah, how many first-round picks do we have? And I, and I remember looking at her going, what, what are you talking about? That's, that's what you pivot to? Like, y'all are, <laughs> you know, y'all yeah. are on par with Duke and Carolina claiming championships. Like, now you're just claiming first-round picks. So it's been a, it's been a far cry from the, the dominance that Kentucky was, you know, was happening for so long. Well, maybe if John Calipari's time is done in Kentucky, they'll give him an office in Rupp Arena for him to overlook all the operations. That seems to be what happens when legends remove themselves from uh, from the head coaching at their current schools. And you came on earlier to, uh, and during this segment, and uh, you had mentioned something. It's a report that came out from On3 uh, yesterday about on the football side of things about the Texas AD saying that the SEC was progressing to a nine-game conference football schedule by the 2026 season. It's something that we've been talking about and discussing and pondering ever since the news of Texas and Oklahoma were coming to the conference. Uh, I, I, we've had this conversation before, Chris, but remind me where you stand on a nine-game SEC schedule. Well, I just think it makes it makes most sense for uh, preserving ri- certain rivalries and to keep the schedules cyclical. I've said that for the longest, that, you know, the, the, the schedules, not all schedules were equal. I mean, there were years where when 
Tennessee was terrible. You know, there was there were years where Alabama would get Tennessee and Vanderbilt in the East, and LSU would get Florida and Georgia in the East. And it's like that, you know, that that's not equal. That's not an equal SEC schedule. And uh, you know, Bama would would end up, you know, losing one tough game they play, and then find themselves a national championship. And LSU said there were two or three losses going. Yeah, it would have been nice to not have to play Florida or Georgia. We would have taken Tennessee when they were down in Vanderbilt. So um, I, I like the nine-game schedule because it'll it'll rotate things a lot more. Um, you know, look at the first year of the schedule. I was talking with a Texas fan today who's running through their schedule. They get Georgia, but they avoid, I think, Alabama, LSU. I mean, it's just – that's not – you know, you could say you're joining the SEC, but you're not playing the full SEC. At least with the nine-game schedule, you'll rotate. You'll see everybody more often. You'll go to venues more often. That's been the biggest gripe every year. I talked to Greg Sankey at SEC Media Days. He always brings that up. I mean, when we go over a decade without a team ever having gone to a, a road venue, I, I think Georgia still has yet to go to uh, College Station ever. It's, it's so weird with the quirks and the scheduling, but the, the nine game just works. It makes sense. And especially with this pairing with the Big Ten, um, you know, I think you're going to see – you know, a new age of, of football eventually we could trek into it. If we say goodbye to the NCAA and, you know, maybe the SEC says we'll play nine conference games and our three non-conference will all be against Big Ten opponents or something like that. But, oh, snap. Um, I, just think, I just think that this, this makes a lot more sense. Um, I understand it's, it's a little bit more difficult, right? You, you're, the people that don't like it are the, the Shane Beamers and the, the Mark Stoopses who enjoy playing their eight-game conference schedule and scheduling four cupcakes and saying, all right, well, that's four wins. Now I just need to win two SEC games to get to six and six. We can't do that anymore. We got, we got uh, 16 teams. So you, you got it. we have to uh, expand this thing out a little bit and um, you know, equal out the schedules a little bit more. Yeah, we got to start playing a little big boy football, right, Chris? I mean, we got to start playing up to SEC caliber if we're bringing in Texas and Oklahoma, and if the SEC, which I'm, it feels like it's inevitable at this point that they'll bring in other teams at some point, like the Big Ten has been doing. I mean, it's time to start playing the the teams of your conference, and and for me personally, like I get why. Auburns and Alabamas and LSUs. I mean, why you play those? You, you play the 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 cupcake games, right? And hey, you don't always win them, right? Auburn knows that very well. But it's just not beneficial for a fan, for a team. Like the money's there for the smaller schools, sure. But wouldn't you much rather play another team out of your conference or even a team in your conference rather than a sixty-point drumming on a Saturday in September? Well, that's that's what my buddy Matt Moscona has always said. He's like we. Who enjoys those games? You know, when you go watch, you know, Auburn go play the Citadel or, or play, uh, you know, Northwestern State. It's like, no, who goes to those? Like, you know, you go tailgate, you might go for a half and then you leave. I mean, always the most diehard of diehards stick it out for those. And, and I understand you got to have a little bit of a respite in the schedule and you got to have uh, what I call the stat padding games. But um, it, fans don't enjoy them. And, and nobody likes when, when you have a home slate and, you know, it's it includes some of those non-conference opponents that are just going to be blowouts. Nobody likes going to them. So uh, you add another conference game to the schedule, absolutely fire up fans. I'm with you. I'm absolutely. I mean, look at Auburn's schedule. It's you. You have this coming season, Alabama A&M. You do have California, and then you have New Mexico. So two out of your first three games are those those games that Auburn should win by fifty or sixty. So it's just 
it, it, it just gets old to me, in my opinion. But interesting progressions there with the SEC on the football side of things as we are continuing our conversation with Chris Gordy, who is the host of Locked on SEC. And tomorrow, I don't have to tell you what it is, Chris, opening day for SEC baseball, man. Another season is upon us. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, you know, I was starting to do a little bit of study on some of the teams already. I was a little surprised. I saw Tennessee is going to uh, – Drew Beam is going to start on Saturday for them, and they're going to go a different direction on Friday. So I wonder if that's just for this week or if that's going to be, you know, fully moving forward. But I know S- uh, LSU is loaded once again, the reigning national champs. And, you know, it's kind of cool with looking back the last three years, uh, LSU, Mississippi State, Ole Miss have had – uh, a lot of SEC teams winning championships. Can we make it another year in a row? So uh, we'll see. But, yeah, look, there's a lot of talent still in this conference. And it's going to be a fun, fun SEC baseball season. I think it's a safe bet to say an SEC team's going to win it all. It's it's the best conference by far, and and there's so many teams that I mean, the top ten teams in the SEC are better than most teams around the country. So uh, can we safely predict that an SEC team wins it all, Chris? Are you able to do that today? I think so. The only caveat would be, what if a Texas or an Oklahoma were to win it? Do we claim them already? I mean, they'll technically be in the conference by the summer, so... Uh, you know, maybe, maybe we can pull a little asterisk there. Yeah, sure. I mean, we'll just we'll just give them an SEC patch if they're playing in the championship series, and just let them put it on their jersey before that series starts. I don't think anybody would mind. I mean, the Big Twelve maybe, but other than that, it'd be all right. So we'll see how that goes. SEC baseball getting going this weekend for opening day, opening weekend around the conference. We'll have tons of college basketball and always college football to talk about as well. Chris Gordy, host of the Locked On SEC podcast, he's been with me a long time, folks, and we appreciate his time on every Thursday afternoon. Tell people where you are, how they can find you, and what's coming up on Locked on SEC. Yeah, just search Locked on SEC wherever you get your podcast. And I think your fans are going to like uh, the, the episode I have up today. It's talking all things recruiting. And our buddy Brian Smith, uh, our Locked on insider uh, who covers recruiting for us, we did a whole segment. He has not bought into Kalen DeBoer. He, he's hearing rumblings that Alabama is not doing a good job at all on the recruiting front. Uh, they're getting poached like crazy in state. Auburn is uh, light years ahead of them right now. I understand it's a new staff, but, uh, man, Kalen DeBoer, he has got a long way to go to, to get on the recruiting trail to get Alabama back to where they're used to being. So uh, if you're an Auburn fan and you like to hear about some of the misery going on in Alabama right now, check that out. Yeah, there you go. Locked on SEC, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Chris, thanks so much, man. We'll talk to you next Thursday. That's Chris Gordy. Again, go check him out wherever you get your podcast. Daily SEC show uh, with Locked On SEC and Brian Smith. He does a great job. He is the Locked On uh, recruiting expert. So go check that out. And uh, not surprising that there are some rumblings going on across the state. And I've heard some myself. So go check that out at Locked On SEC. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap it up here on the Thursday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067. are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. Winding down here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, show has flown by today. Um, I mean, just so much going on, so much to talk about. Two wonderful guests on Thursdays. We have a lot of fun here on the show. And it's crazy to think that back in football season, we had three guests on the show on Thursdays because we were talking with uh, Auburn High School's head football coach, Keith Etheridge, uh, at 3 o'clock on Thursdays. And so crazy to think we squeezed all that in. But we still have two wonderful guests, Brad Law in hour number one, and just got off the phone with Chris Gordy of Locked on SEC. So if 
if you missed any of those conversations or anything else from the show today, you can go and catch up with the podcast. You can find it on our station website at ESPNAU.com or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Lots of recap for Auburn taking down South Carolina last night by 40. They've got Kentucky coming up on Saturday. We'll talk some Auburn baseball tomorrow. I'm sure Jack Hutton will either stop by or come in the studio and uh, we'll be working on getting a baseball guy back in here through uh, hopefully weekly throughout baseball season. And so uh, we'll get to working on that as well. Uncle T-Bone will be back with me tomorrow. And uh, yeah, should be a great show as we get into the weekend with basketball and baseball. Apparently some more football news as we continue moving along. And so uh, that'll be tomorrow but kind of some final thoughts for today uh, when it comes to the win last night for Auburn it was great it was great it was a great win for Bruce Pearl and the Tigers last night and as crazy as it sounds when when that game went final and you look at that result most Auburn fans are not surprised that it happened You're not surprised that Auburn beat a team by 40 on their home floor. You're not surprised that Auburn took down the number one team in the SEC. You're not surprised that Auburn put a 100-piece inside of Neville Arena. Nobody is surprised by that. But what people want is consistency, and that's extremely hard to do. But guess what? You have to have consistency come the NCAA tournament because you can't play really well one night and not play well another night. Because guess what? If you don't play well the second night, you don't get the third night, or the fourth night, or the championship. You don't get that. And there just hasn't seemed to be, as of late, that five or six game stretch for Auburn where they've played really, really well. And I'm not saying you've got to dominate and win by 40 every night. That's Again, that's not going to happen. But even with the Vanderbilt... In the Ole Miss, in the Alabama, like, yeah, those were three great wins. Vanderbilt's not a good team, but you went on the road in the first half against Mississippi State, or against Ole Miss wasn't good, but the second half was, and the Alabama game was. That's what Auburn fans want is some consistency, because that's what it takes to win a championship. And if you can do that this Saturday, and then on the road at Georgia, and on the road at Tennessee, Auburn's got a chance to win it all. And that is what is exciting. That's going to do it for today's episode for the Thursday edition of On the Line. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 to 4, right here on ESPN 106.7. Uncle T-Bone will be back with me. So until then, I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.